Hey, welcome to Balancing Dads, the podcast about fathers' work-life balance between their family and job. I'm your host, Mike McQuaid, a software engineer and daddy of two. This week, we're going to be speaking to Lee Doom, a community manager in the software industry and single dad. So, Lee, thanks for joining us. So, can you explain what your job is to a lay person who wouldn't work in the same field as us? So, uh, my title is is essentially community manager, and basically, what that means uh, for me, community manager is actually a really vague job description. Uh, it can be lots of different things, but in my particular case. Uh, it means that I work with a number of different projects that GitHub, uh, the company that I work for, um, uh, puts out. And basically, I help them deal with all the people <laughs> that show up and uh, basically help them build processes and procedures to scale up and handle the entire internet. Um, well, hopefully not all at once, but sometimes. Uh, so yeah, basically help them learn how to deal with mean people or how to deal with too many nice people or, you know, all of those kinds of problems. And how did you get into that? Like what was your, your background or direction or previous jobs or whatever? So I spent uh, 20 years, uh, over 20 years as a software developer working for companies like Intel, Microsoft, and Amazon. Uh, but basically in my off hours, I was, I ran a, a BBS. I worked message boards. I handled bunches of different communities kind of on a volunteer basis. And, uh, eventually a few years ago, I was volunteering as a message board moderator for uh, one of GitHub's projects called Adam. It's a, a text editor, and uh, they really liked what I did, and they asked me to come on full-time. And I really enjoyed working with the people that I work with at GitHub, and so I said yes, and and yeah, that's how I got here. Awesome. So what's your family set up? Kids, partner, so I have uh, I have three kids, um, and uh, I but I'm a single dad. Uh, so um, I'm I'm estranged from the two older kids um, due to divorce and other complications. But uh, my youngest child, Raven, uh, my my daughter Raven, she decided to move in with me at one point, and so. Uh, she moved in with me and lived with me and she's getting ready to turn 26 and, but she moved out uh, a couple of years ago and she's doing great, but, uh, we spend a lot of time together still. And I think we have a great relationship. She's coming over for dinner tonight. So awesome. So how was it that she ended up living with you? Uh, so basically, uh, she, uh, when she was getting ready to turn 15, she called me up out of the blue and uh, and said, "Dad, can I move in with you?" And uh, I I divorced her mom when she was five, so it was it was a big shock actually that she that she did this. Um, even though it, a very pleasant shock, it still kind of caused me to panic, and so. I said, uh, I'll call you back and, um, and called my best friend that I've known since fourth grade and 
asked him what, what I should do. And he said, okay, step one, hang up and call her back and say yes. And then call me back and then we'll figure out where to go from here. Um, so, yeah. So then basically it was, uh, we both kind of agreed that it was going to be this six months trial run, but secretly we were both plotting that it was going to be permanent. And so at the end we both revealed our secret plan and, and, uh, yeah. So it became permanent and she moved in with me and stayed. That's lovely. Is she still relatively nearby? Uh, yeah, actually she lives like two or three blocks from me in her own condo. And I should have asked you earlier on, but remind me whereabouts in the U S are you staying? I live in Kirkland, which is near Seattle. Awesome. So with Raven, cast your mind back to, I guess, when she was still in, I guess it would be high school. Um, mm-hmm. So what, what did the average kind of weekday look like with kind of her and you? Um, the average weekday was typically um, her waking up and then um, and kind of getting ready for school and then me getting up and uh, and taking her to school um, or seeing her off uh, if she was riding the bus or going with a friend. And then um, then me coming home, relaxing for a little bit while I got ready. Then uh, I would go to work and um, go through my typical work day. Typically, then um, I'd get home well after she she did. And um, and then we would we had this kind of we had this kind of setup where um, where basically we would we would tag team watch TV shows. Well, actually, it's probably not the best description, but basically we would every season we would pick a new show that we were going to watch together. Um, and the first few seasons, it was America's Next Top Model because that's what was Raven was into at the time. And uh, and so we would typically watch some, you know, some TV show together and have dinner and talk about our day. And then both of us would go to bed at our respective times. Nice. And at that stage, cause you work from home now, right? Were you working in an office or work from home then or. Yeah. Most of the, most of the time that, uh, that Raven was, was living with me, I was working in an office, but, uh, the last year or so I was working from home. How did that change things? If at all working from home, um, so basically working from home didn't, didn't particularly change things. Um, basically <clears throat> other than, um, because she had graduated high school and was, uh, you know, either working or not working or, or what have you before she kind of found her legs. Um, but, uh, yeah, so basically she would, ask if I was going to be on a video meeting or something like that and come in occasionally to ask me about this or that or what have you. But, uh, but other than that, like the schedule was still pretty much pretty similar. So, yeah. Nice. So, I mean, do you have any thoughts on like the experience of doing it by yourself? Were any particular things you found harder than expected or easier than expected or, <clears throat> um, the, 
The main thing was, so, well, there were a couple of things. So one thing uh, was I had a number of of friends growing up or, or in my early 20s who um, who kind of had the, the negative experience of their dad divorced their mom and uh, and then went off and started his new family. Um, and so basically they, you know, dad kind of pulled away and, and started the family that they felt he really wanted all along or something like that. Uh, and I never wanted my kids to feel that way. So, um, so dating was a big concern and something that I held off on quite a bit while Raven was kind of getting situated and we were rebuilding our relationship. Um, and so then it was, you know, it was kind of a big decision of like, okay, you're ready for this and I'm ready for this. Right. And, um, so that was, that was kind of, yeah, that was challenging. Um, but, so uh, did, did the two of you ahead. have like a conversation about that before you, you started dating again? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, basically I, <clears throat> I sat her down and, and we, we talked about it and, you know, she, she basically said, yeah, it's fine. It would have been fine before, but you know, thanks for having the, you know, having a frank discussion about it. So another question, maybe zooming out from uh, the parenting stuff just is, you know, I guess you've been, it sounds like in tech for a fair while at this point. Have you, how have you seen things change? I guess, particularly with through the eyes of being kind of a parent and looking at things that way in the, you know, 20 plus years you've been working in the technology Mm -hmm. sector. Um, so yeah, I mean, when I started mobile phones, weren't uh, they, they were a thing, but it wasn't something that the average person could afford, uh, let alone afford another one for their children. Right. Um, so, um, the, yeah, basically it was, uh, and well, and, and also when my kids were, were still quite young, the internet wasn't as, as popular. So it was just something that I played with, but not the whole family worried about, um, or that I needed to worry about my family being on, uh, or my kids being on. So, um, so, and then as they grew up, um, you know, wanting them to be internet savvy and kind of wanting them to have these experiences and have these tools available for themselves. Uh, and, and then eventually like it becoming both, both cell phones and, and the internet becoming just a fact of life and something that everybody kind of had to have. And so working with my kids and especially Raven on, you know, here's how to be safe. Here's, you know, here's your cell phone so that I can get a hold of you whenever I need to and, and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's just huge, huge sea changes in, um, how to, you know, coordinate how to, how to plan things. And then also these, uh, you know, basically how to keep my family safe, uh, when, you know, even at home, they might be exposed to things that I might not feel super comfortable about. 
would you say you kind of as a dad lean more towards the kind of trust and hope for the best or more towards the kind of lock things down and you know try and keep everyone safe that way I I definitely lean far more towards the trust and hope for the best. Um, the the main thing um, about keeping kids safe is real number one realizing that they're they're going to figure out ways to do what they want. Um, so the the main thing is is to uh, you know basically number one, have a really good, have a good relationship with them so that if they run into problems, they feel comfortable talking to you about it. Um, because it's the, it's the, the kids that basically are just super protected and, and then run into a problem and then don't have a good relationship with their parents that, that bad people can take advantage of because if they get into a tough situation or an embarrassing situation, they might might not talk to their parents or they might not have a good relationship with a teacher or somebody that they can say, Hey, I'm in this weird situation and I don't know what to do. Can you help? Right. If they don't have somebody like that, that is trustworthy, then they're going to talk to people who aren't trustworthy and try to get help. And that's when bad things happen. So, so my main defense against all of this was just to be as supportive as possible, be as involved as, as possible and hope that Raven knew that she could come to me and I would help her out of whatever situation she found herself in. Yeah. I feel like that's, that on paper at least that sounds like definitely the best approach to be taking um i i feel like you you maybe you and i both will have dodged a bullet for uh how things are now and having to make the decision of you know do we use find my friends or some other way of tracking them at all times or you know it feels like we're in this awkward middle stage where of technology where you know when you had non-smart cell phones you didn't have to decide between am I going to track every location my child is ever at? But at the same time, this stuff is still emerging technology, so we don't really have the the privacy implications figured out for the children yeah. to the same extent. And I feel in in you know 10 years or so when my kids are maybe old enough to start needing phones or whatever it may be, that we'll have some more of that figured out a little bit. But certainly you, the different stuff you hear parents now doing I'm not saying anything. Anyone is doing anything right or wrong, but certainly there's a a wide variety in how much they can or will monitor their child versus like respecting their child's privacy. And yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that all pans out. Yeah, it's um, it's it's definitely a tough decision and and something that everybody kind of has to make. I just know that when I was a teenager, uh, my my father was a uh, was a police officer and like I got away with lots of stuff um, basically because I just got good at learning the ways around the ways that my dad monitored me and uh, uh, snuck out in the middle of the night or did other unruly things. And basically I'm just super lucky that I didn't get into any 
any sort of big trouble because, um, yeah, I just didn't have a great relationship with my parents. And so I would have done something stupid (laughs) essentially. And, uh, and so, yeah, that was, that was kind of my resolution to myself for my kids was that I just wanted to be involved and, or at least be available and be somebody that they could trust with talking to about things, uh, in ways that I was not comfortable talking to my parents with about things. It's interesting because your job, a lot of that is, um, it feels like from my perspective, looking out, you know, there, there must be some overlap between skills that you've developed as a parent and skills at your, your job at the moment when you're sometimes dealing with people bickering or, uh, people being unruly and needing a, a little bit of gentle discipline and stuff like that. Uh, is there anything you've learned, I guess, particularly since you've been doing the community management stuff full time that would have been useful to have known when you were, um, when you were maybe a bit younger as a parent? Um, <clears throat> yeah, basically the, uh, well, so one of the things that I, one of the skills that I think would have been most important was, was is, is speak softly because you carry a big stick, which is kind of um, my twisting of the of the Roosevelt quote um, where but basically just recognizing uh, as a community manager because I have uh, essentially the power of position of being able to you know lock posts or ban people or what have you um, I don't need to speak loudly. Right. Um, I don't need to yell at people. I don't need to sternly correct people or anything like that. I can just be soft and kind of nudge people in the right direction. And because I have that power of position, people are more likely to listen to me, especially if I don't like wave, wave the power around willy nilly. Um, and I came from a very authoritarian household, because my dad was a cop. And, um, and so, um, it was very shouty, (laughs) um, for lack of a better term. And so when I was younger, I had a much more authoritarian, uh, kind of paramilitary approach of, of authority. Right. And, and, uh, so I was much more strict and stern, when I was younger and as I grew older, learning the kind of the soft touch system and how to kind of gently influence people in the right direction, um, would have been a much better approach. So yeah, I'm glad I learned it eventually, but, um, but yeah, it would have been better to know that also when I was younger. But it sounds like with Raven, when she was living with you, that by that stage you you were already you know more more chilledly rather than authoritarianly um it, yes uh the i personally i think actually the um raven moving in was was the catalyst of uh or at least a significant driver of that transformation uh when she first moved in i was still 
more authority on the authoritarian side. Um, and so just kind of working through some things with Raven and kind of figuring out what worked between the two of us and going to therapy and everything and working with my therapist to figure out what works better. And, uh, yeah, definitely helped help move that transformation along. Um, so yeah, a couple of years in, it was, um, much, a much better relationship and a much more smooth transition. Yeah, that's cool to hear. So in some ways, I guess almost the opposite of my initial question, it sounds like you, a lot of the skills that you have as a community manager now, you've, you've probably been taught uh, consciously or subconsciously by Raven. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's awesome. To take a slightly different tack, um, you don't strike me as the, incredibly overworking ignoring your child type but have you found while raven's been with you and and particularly while she's been more in your life have you found kind of any points where it's been sort of tricky balancing your demands of your career or employer uh with your your kids demands and and how have you addressed that yeah the um the there definitely have been points when Raven was living with me that I have been much more career minded and career driven and, and, uh, uh, trying to get promoted and, and, you know, reach the brass ring of whatever, of whatever type. Um, and, and consequently overworking myself or, or being less available to Raven because of it. Um, and, uh, the basically the balance that that I struck was um, was even like even if I was working super hard and super late during the week, the weekends were were sacrosanct, right? Basically, the weekends were the time for us to spend together and go do things or see things or, or try new activities. Um, and, and we always had kind of at least a little bit of time in the evenings to spend together and catch up. Um, so, um, but yeah, the, the weekends were kind of our time to plot and plan and, and do cool things. Um, so, yeah, that was that was essentially kind of the best way I could find find a balance for that. Were there any times where you you kind of had to explicitly draw those lines with an employer or a boss or whoever, like someone asking you to do stuff at the weekend, and you had to, or was it more just you know self management? Um, <clears throat> the I so yeah, it was really interesting because. Um, I never had to explicitly draw those lines. Um, I feel like the the employers that I worked for were always driving to get more out of you and were totally fine with you completely overworking yourself. But if you if you just weren't available on the weekends, they they wouldn't really push it. Um, and, uh, and so like at certain employers, there were definite expectations of, Hey, we, 
you know, if we send you an email on the weekend, we expect you to respond before Monday. And, um, and I just wouldn't, and people would, you know, I, I think I occasionally got some sort of, Hey, you know, we expect you to do respond before now, uh, kinds of things. And I basically just said, okay, I'll keep it in mind for next time. And, mostly blew it off and nothing things didn't really bad things never really happened solely because of that. So maybe I was doing a good enough job that they weren't going to make a big issue, big issue out of it. But, um, yeah, it was, um, so I, yeah, like I say, I never really had to draw that line. I just sort of did it for myself and then said, you know, damn the consequences and the consequences never came. So, it, you know, I never really had to confront that, I guess. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I feel like you're spot on there with a lot of employers will, you know, they're not going to demand that you overwork, demand that you work all weekend and every evening, but they're not going to stop you either. Uh, and I, I've certainly found that, that if you just mentally have the attitude that, weekends are what I spend with my family and I'm not going to do work then, then that's a lot easier. And in some ways I, I feel like the easiest thing you can do for your employer and coworkers or whatever is just being consistent. Like if they know Lee or Mike don't work at the weekends, then that's much easier than being like, Oh, well this one time I'm going to reply to this email or do this quick thing or whatever. Cause that means that, you know, both your employer and your family are kind of not really sure what to expect. Uh, on on a given weekend, I, I remember with my uh, when my home office was kind of just off our kitchen at home. Um, my wife would sometimes struggle with that, with being like, you know, have you finished work or haven't you? Like, you know, <laughs> if my code was compiling or whatever, I would go and pop next door and help with something for two minutes. Whereas actually, she found that less helpful than me just staying at work. And then when I leave the room and shut the door, that's me not at work anymore. Uh, and I guess that's more of a working from home problem, but it's yeah, it's an example of boundaries in action. Yeah, I mean, the I definitely had, even though I wasn't working from home, I had employers that gave me the tools that I could work from home, or you know, basically I had email on my phone or whatever, so they they kind of expected that to be. A possibility at least. And so, um, so there definitely were times where, yeah, I would pull out my laptop and get some work done, um, in the evenings, but, uh, um, but yeah, the, um, yeah, just kind of having that mental barrier, um, and saying this is, this is not work time. Uh, yeah, just consistently made things, made things work better. Yep. Awesome. What would be your favorite little hack you remember from, from I guess the 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 peak parenting days? Obviously, you're still Raven's <laughs> parent, but she probably doesn't require quite as much day to day involvement as she once did. What what's like almost like a little trick or hack or whatever that you came across that you were like, you know, this this is would be really useful for other dads to know. Um, so I. One of the things that that seemed to work really well for Raven and I was having um, 
having a sense of, of tradition. Um, and so basically just kind of reinforcing certain ideas, um, through, Oh, this is a, this is a family rule. Right. Um, or, or things like that where, um, basically I would, um, I would enshrine things in, this is a, you know, family rule that's been handed down from generation to generation. And one of them, uh, was, was if you get arrested, you spend the night in jail. Um, and basically it just kind of became this running joke of, you know, when, when Raven would go out with her friends or something like that. And, you know, I, ask her, ask her one question, which is, when are you going to be back? And then the, and then, you know, at, goodbye, I love you. Just remember if you, you know, if you get arrested, you're going to spend the night in jail. And, um, and basically it was just kind of our little, you know, be careful out there kind of thing. Um, but, um, and then she would have to, you know, because friends would say, what the hell is that about? And, and she would have to explain it, but just kind of these memorable things of half joking kind of kind of stuff was um, kind of our language for um, uh, making making certain things memorable, but also, um, you know, subtly implying the rules. Right. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It was. Yeah, so the the family tradition um, was kind of kind of my dad hack. Yeah, I like that. Uh, you know, an an in joke that is also subtly reinforcing, and you're both kind of acknowledging, as you say, like an underlying kind of rule. It it, it feels like it jumps back to what you were saying earlier about not being authoritarian and having having these boundaries which are being almost jokingly reminded rather than it being, you know, some stern talking to every time you go on a night out. Uh, you've obviously set the ball up in the air now that the question has to be asked, did Raven ever spend the night in jail? <laughs> no, no, actually she didn't. Um, and that's kind of, that's kind of the joke of it, right? Is, is Raven, um, Raven was is was a very mild mannered kid, um, and uh, I w- I was never really worried about her r- running with her friends down to the park to do drugs or something like that. Right? Um, it was it was more <clears throat> it was more like her doing something dumb and and the cops nabbing her for it, like staying in the park after dark or something like that. And, uh, um, but that never happened either because I I hope that, you know, my reminders of, Hey, just, you know, be extra careful kind of helped or maybe they didn't and they didn't need to. And I was worrying for nothing, but that's what parents do. So (laughs) for sure. And a nice one to end on. What's your best dad joke? Um, I can't think of a of a best one, but uh, but one that that I assailed Raven with uh, recently was uh, was um, basically there's a picture of a of a strawberry in a mask, and and he's saying, "Put your hands up. This is a strawberry," um, and. Uh, 
And then, you know, I sent a, a little joke back to Raven with it saying, you know, make, don't make him commit a Melanie, you know, but. Oh, Melanie. Yeah. Oh, oh dear. Fantastic. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, Lee. Where can people find you on the Internet? Uh, people can find me on GitHub at github.com slash Lee, L-E-E dash dome. That's D as in David, O-H-M as in Mary. Um, I'm on Twitter also at Lee Dome, um, but I don't spend a whole lot of time on Twitter because I spend a ton of time reading message boards and GitHub comments and stuff like that. So, um, and But if people need to uh, get in touch with me, uh, some other way, they can also reach me at lee.dome at gmail.com. Awesome. Thank you, Lee. Thanks. Yeah, this is great. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Balancing Dads. You can find us on Twitter at Balancing Dads and me at Mike McQuaid. Have a good week.